so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. The Bible tells us that those who are Christians have been adopted into the family of God. So how can we mirror the gospel by opening up our homes? And what is God's heart for the orphaned? At Evangelicals for Life, Russell Moore had a conversation with Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife, Mary Beth Chapman, about their passion for adoption. We hope you find this conversation helpful. Well, welcome to both of you. I am so uh, thrilled to have you here. I've already heard from a lot of the churches that are uh, are joining us, watching all over the, the world right now, how, you know, in some cases, just little anecdotes about how much the two of you have meant to individual people within those churches and to churches as, as a whole. And a lot of that has to do, you know, a lot of it has to do with ministry and artistic creativity and, and the message that, that you've had in these, but a lot of it has to do with what God has called you all to do when it comes to orphans and, and vulnerable children and, and their moms uh, around the world. You, I know as a a dad who adopted our first two children, um, I was really hesitant and reluctant. Mm. And when Maria came in and said, I feel like maybe God's calling us to adopt, mm-hmm. I was, well, one day, sure. but yeah. I don't want to, to do that right now. Sounds like you had some similar hesitancy at first, but God put somebody uh, in your household. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and... and Kind of interesting, and I probably should let Mary Beth tell it, because I was probably, when the idea first came on our radar, which came by way of some very dear friends of ours, who were kind of the first couple, first family that we knew that had taken the journey of adoption and foster care with the, our friends, the Coley's, and, um, and so we'd seen that, we'd been exposed to it through them, but then our, it was our daughter Emily, uh, after a trip that she took with her mom to Haiti, uh, that when she was uh, 11. 11, yeah, 11 yeah. years old. And um, she came back. You, you tell yeah. a little bit of that story sure. and yeah, your version, because I kind of... Sure. And really, probably more of the hesitance with what you're explaining was probably more on my part. Emily and I took a trip in 1997 with Compassion International. It was one of the first times she and I had gone to a third world country to see the extreme need um, all across the country. She came back with this burning desire to make a difference. It didn't have to be hating necessarily. It just... Mom, we are so blessed here in the United States. What would it look like? We have room at our table. I mean, this is an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. We have room at our table. Why would we not consider changing the life for one of these children? And Stephen, I think, was very supportive from the get-go, but he knew that it would take some time for me to really walk that out in my faith. 
And so it was kind of a slow process, and it was a step at a time. But really, God did begin to change my heart a little bit at a time as I had this 11-year-old, just this constant voice, meeting with our pastor, wanting to know, you know, why is mom and dad not getting this? This is like James 1.27 right here. Yeah, and, and, and kind of like, did you not know I would be about my father's business in the right. temple? Yeah. That's exactly. right. Exactly. And like, yeah. and, Tell and, them about know, the letter. We had, but we, and, she would leave letters on our, we our do. We pillow have letters, night, and we still have them. I still have them today our as proof was, we yeah. have them stand in, but... One year for Christmas, she asked for three things. She asked for Bible concordance. She knew to put that first. Yes, put that first. Yeah, wow. there's a little she's, bit she's of working you know, it. You know, we're yeah. working a little bit, and and um, I think it was like a go kart and then um, a baby. You know, yeah, and yeah. I'm Adopted like, okay, baby. God's definitely has touched her heart in a tender way. Wrote another letter that was much longer, two page. It was written in contract form, mm-hmm. and she had her brother sign it as witnesses yeah. that they would help. Yeah. You know, and so Stephen and I actually did begin to think, you know, God may be moving in the heart of this 11 year old. It's our responsibility to begin to pray. And so, steps at a time, they went to a Bethany Christian Services event. She came back. I told her, I'll read whatever you have. She brings back armloads of stuff. And um, a lot of people ask me, you went to Haiti. Your beautiful daughters are from China. How did that happen? And it was really just a process through us working with Bethany at the time in the late 90s, early 2000s. They had a really strong program in the country of China. And, and God uh, had kind of put that on your heart. And God had put that on Planted my heart. Planted a tiny a seed tiny, that tiny you didn't seed. know was there, but it was like, kind of like just, so, you start to feel that. So the answer, <laughs> the short answer is once we began to pray, and he told our children, we're going to pray about this, and we're going to take the next step. We're going to pray about this, and we're going to take the next step. Mm-hmm. And, and, and God might put a detour sign up. We don't know where God's calling us on this journey. But we're going to walk on the journey towards adoption, and we're going to see what God shows us. Um, about his heart, about what's going on in the world. Maybe our, our part will be something different. Um, but sure enough, God led us to not one, but three mm. beautiful um, daughters. I joke and say that, you know, we thought, well, okay, we'll go. Uh, and, and really a lot because of Emily and her determination, like we're going to move in this direction, but we'll, we'll walk, you know, to the doors as God opens them. But, you know, we're not, we're pretty sure. And she was very sure that, you know, with as busy as I was and traveling and saddling up my horses and diving <laughs> in and all that business, you know, and she's at home with three, uh, you know, I mentioned last night that we had sort of nicknamed any meeny miny and said, we not having no mo, uh, you know, that was it. That's all we can handle. Um, and we were, that was like a joke, but it was, she was like, I can't do any more than this. It's, you know, so much that, but when we started taking that journey and so many families tell this story, it's part of the beauty of just what God does and how he shows up. And, and when we get involved in his heart for children without families and just this whole issue that we're gathered around here is that there's so much delight. And we learn so much about just even the the winsomeness and the sense of humor that God has that we don't often think, especially when we get around these issues of God having a smile. It's right. more of a scowl. Right. But what we found out in our case, and over and over we hear the story, God, the laughter of God, the delight when we show up in these places and that God is inviting us into that. Because for us, it was story after story. And I got to tell it in some in my book, and you told beautiful stories in your book of these almost hilarious 
where you go, there's no way this can be coincidence. And God's showing up in ways we never would have imagined. And I would say it's almost like, you know, we would approach a door thinking, well, we'll kind of knock on it lightly, you know, in case, you know, God doesn't hear and right. it won't open because, right. you know, of the fear. And we would get within 10 feet and it was like all those doors, you know, it was like, Walmart doors, you know, they'd swing open and a greeter would run out and grab us and say, come on in, we got a great sale. You know, it was crazy just how those things would happen that led us to, to realize that God really was directing us, which you need, would need that, I think, no, for yeah, God to I, make I it that clear that. that this really is. Well, and the, and the fear is sure. perfectly reasonable. Sure. You know, I, I spent uh, the first part of kind of when God called us into this, spending a lot of time trying to persuade people to adopt. Right. God, you know, you mm-hmm. do this. Now I find myself doing right. as much persuading people not to. That's right. Yeah, to say, look, right. uh, not, God's not called everybody to adoption. Right. And if you think this is easy mm. or if you think that that's this right. is somehow going to fix your marriage that's or right. whatever it is, then you're that's, not, right. that's not what the child is for. So no. there's it's real, really a, a hard thing that's worth it. That's right. With we call it gloriously hard. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Hard. So did, did, how did you all navigate that as the, the years well, were going through? You know, I think when we adopted Shoei and um, she came home in 2000, you only know what you only know, right? So right. when you step into it, and I think God uses that too. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah. I think there may be some of you in, in the audience today, when you stepped into adoption, you really felt like love is enough. And ultimately love is enough, yeah. right? But you think that that's going to go well. And then what, so we did that, right? We stepped in and, and we thought they need a home. Um, we can be that place where we tell them about Jesus, mm-hmm. all those things that we kind of enter, and we only knew what we only knew. Well, she's 19. So 19 years later, and as we walked our journey, this little thing called Show Hope kind of crept up, which maybe we'll talk about in a minute. But as we became educated and as we stepped through the journey of Show Hope and we began partnering with so many families, helping them adopt, it wasn't enough of, for us just to say, we're going to help you with your adoption because you know, these uh, special circumstances with children from hard places, children that have indeed suffered some trauma, really need much more than that. And so you respond to the gospel accordingly. Then when God shows you this, it's like, okay, now how can we step into this? And so, you know, it's a learning process. And I think God uses that, you know, to to call you into things. But then there's a response. And then there's a response to go, one of my many soapboxes or my, when my voice can be loud is adoption is beautiful. Look, God hasn't called everybody to adopt, but he has called everybody to do something. That's he right. has some part of it. So, and yeah. that's one of the things that it seems to me show hope really showcases is the involving of everybody. Uh, What is Show Hope? Tell us, uh, for people who might not be familiar with with the ministry. Okay, so Show Hope, when Stephen and I got back from from China with with Joey, I remember standing on the plane with her, and again, as some of you know, I was the one that was reticent. I was so scared. I knew by the time we had gone, I knew that God had called us to it, and so I was confident in that, very scared of myself, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how I was going to respond. Um, but as God does, he met me in the hallway of a hotel in China. I've been a Christian since I was five years old, but that day I got it, you know, and Joey was handed to me and I received her as my daughter and, and it was because she was just there and, and, and that immediate taking of her. And at that point I would have given my life for her and all that is swirling around in my head, knowing that there was hard coming, but yet this is my daughter. I couldn't hear God any louder going, 
Do you understand my love for you? Mm. This is your story. This is your story. And so by the time we got home, I went, Steve, okay, you have a platform. I have a loud mouth. And I think some people might respond from this. You know, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, again, it, it, it was not maybe on the forefront, right. so to speak, um, you know, of the church. It was, but, you know, not speaking in, in loud terms. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what if we could help? What if we could help a hundred well, people adopt? We well, had I, families. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> we had families. Had the, the, and again, the way God would orchestrate it, you know, we came home with this burning desire. You know, went to China with this. Her taking every step. You know, very. You know, in fear and trembling, like I don't know what this is going to mm-hmm. be like. Am I going to be able to really love this, you know, child enough? Mm-hmm. And and all of these questions that only a mom can really understand and appreciate. And you know, all of us were there, the the three kids cheering this on, and I was cheering this on, and. Then to watch this transformation happen in her heart. So we're coming home from China. She's on the plane just like, we got to do. And we walked through the (laughs) orphanage and we looked in the faces of all these little ones, all looking at us with this look that just seemed to be saying, will you please go find my family? Will you please go? I want my story to begin. You know, I want to, you know. And so that's in our heart. We come home. We land in Nashville, Tennessee. This is before all the security regulations and all. So there were about 200 people at the gate to meet us. Mm -hmm. Crazy welcome home celebration. And by the time we got to our car, there were four or five families that I remember um, that said something to us like, we would love to adopt someday. That's our hope, our prayer. We got a place in our heart. We just can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And so you get this passion burning in this very passionate, fiery, uh, you know, fierce, uh, passionate uh, mom saying, we need to help all of these children. Now my eyes have been opened. And the other part, Emily had when she got on this campaign, she bought a book on adoption, the biggest book she could find for Christmas, took her Christmas money, 12 years old, bought this book on adoption and was constantly educating us, whether we wanted it or not. She was educating her mom. Mom, did you know there are this many children in Africa and China? So we had this I think education. I find more 12-year-olds. Yeah, like no this. kidding. Yeah. I know, well, I know. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so she, but, but that we had this education and then you combine that with now there are these families coming saying, if we just had financial help, if we just had support, we would do this. Hopefully someday we can. Well, that was the birth of Show Hope really there, right there in the airport. We thought we need to help these families. Yeah, so, so we thought if we could help 100 families, would that just not be a big old smile on God's mm. face? So Show Hope was birthed out of wanting to help Christian families to care for orphans by engaging the church, reducing barrier to adoptions. That's our mission statement. So that's where I was born, helping families um, overcome some of the financial barriers and then partnering with them. Well, again, mm-hmm. as you as you know, God doesn't stop there. And it's like, okay, some of these children come home with trauma. Some of these children come home with needs. It's like, how do we now give a piece of education? In the meantime, our daughters are from China. I've always wanted to give back to the country that gave me my daughters. And so Show Hope works in four areas. We help families with adoption aid grants. We care for some beautiful children in China. You should come with me sometime and see them. Um, They're the the medically challenged, um, the children from uh, social welfare orphanages that more than likely would not live. We've been able to um, help these children and, and Many of them move on into adoption and become available to be adopted, and otherwise their story wouldn't have ended so well. So that's a beautiful piece of the story we get to do. So we get to care from kiddos in China. And then we have pre- and post-adoption support because we were giving all these adoption aid grants, and then our phone was ringing going, we need help. We yeah. have challenges. What are we going to do? The church isn't talking about this part of it. Yeah. And all of these things, and it's like, oh, no, 
We're going to have to go into witness, witness protection, protection program again. We're going to get all these grants. They're coming and looking for us. This was, you said this was but a good idea. Like, oh, no. But it's true, right? And so yeah. God brings you into something to really open your eyes and give you this passion. It's like, now how are you going to respond? So part of what we do is we have the Empowered Connect Conference, and we send professionals and caregivers and parents through TBRI training. And you can find all that out at showhope.org. But we really want to give resources to families who have said adoption is what God's called us to. It is hard. How can, how can we get the help that we need? So we're trying to chip away at that. And then we have one small part of hope that's still left, and that's student initiatives because it started in an 11-year-old's heart. Yeah. And I believe that there are 11- and 12-year-olds yeah. that have a burning desire to make a difference. And unless we fan that flame, they are tomorrow's leaders. They are the ones that are knocking on the door right down the street in D.C. Yeah. I have a 32-year-old that if she could drag me into every office of every congressman, <laughs> she would yeah. if she could get to him to change legislation and to hear our voice about um, what we love. And that is children and families and in safe ways, ethical ways, you know, with well, as much resources so important as possible. Because a lot of times you know, we're talking about what the Bible teaches about caring for, for orphans right. and widows. Sometimes you'll have that 19 year old college student who would say, well, maybe that's something for me one day, but not now. Right. Or that 79 year old widow who says, right. I can't adopt or, or foster. So that means that's not for me. Right now, right. but what Show Hope is, is saying is no, all of everybody us Everybody has a place to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody yeah. has a part. And uh, I've had so many, just like you have, so many people who would, church, they would say our church is really supportive. They show up at the airport, they do all that, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to help us. That's right. After. It begins to feel very lonely. Yeah. And so if we can offer those resources, um, we partner with um, TCU, Texas Christian University, and Karen Purvis. I'm sure many of you yeah. in this room know her name. A wonderful believer who spent her life studying um, attachment parenting and, the tra and trauma competent counseling. And that has proven to line up really with truth. It's science, but it lines up with truth. That was her passion. And we're trying to get that information into as many families' hands as we can through our ETC conferences. They have training for uh, counselors, professionals, judges, anybody that works in, mm -hmm. you know, any kind of government, they can go and get trained. And then it's changing kind of the face of how church leaders go, Sunday school teachers. That's our, our, our main focus is how do we get the church, Sunday school teachers, leaders to understand that, that there is a way that we can really help these families not feel lonely because they should feel like, oh, we're at church. You know, yeah. we'll come around you. We'll help you. We'll partner with you. But it's really the lack of tools. And so if we can get that that's information right. to you, we would, that's our. That's right. That lack of tools is important because yeah. we have a, a friend who has, uh, she adopted children who extreme trauma yep. coming out of. And she said, you know, we've got people in our church who want to help us, but they'll say, we'll come over and watch your kids for a date night. She said, but they don't know. It takes two weeks to ramp up for, for that and yeah. two weeks to ramp right. down. Yeah. But I can't say to them, what we really need is two weeks of respite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't say yeah. that to people, sure. but the resources that you are doing can say to other yeah. people, these are the sorts of questions to, to ask to and ask, things you can do. You know. Yeah, yeah. Right. and exactly. I, I think that, you know, what we just believe and what we continue to learn um, is that God is, you know, he, none of this, you know, when you look at Jesus saying, you know, in this world, you will have trouble um, in this journey, you know, in this life. Uh, and, and I think often, you know, maybe in the church, particularly growing up in a, 
you know, in, with, with a sense of, you know, the very true but can be deceptive statement, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, you know, which we, you know, we've said and we've heard, and it is so true. But sometimes that wonderful He's plan, wonderful. you know, yeah. Is, is, yeah, what's the definition of wonderful? It's wonder, full of wonder. Well, I wonder, <laughs> am I going to survive this, you know? And I want, this is awesome. This is wonderful. Now this is full of wonder and question. And yet in all of that, we really believe God's heart. He's a whole God. He's holistic in that. None of this catches him off guard. Right. None of it's like, well, I didn't think about this part. Right. Oh gosh, I just want you to adopt. But yeah, this is a mess. Right. I didn't have a plan for this. No, God has a plan for it. That's a part that we've understood, coming to understand. I love how Gary Haugen says, you know, when you look at the mess in the world and you say, well, does God have a plan for this? Yeah, he's got a plan. It's called the church. It's mm-hmm. us. And, mm-hmm. and he's going to show up in all these areas. And we've seen it with the pre and post, you know, even in the gloriously hard parts, God shows up in that. And it is hard, but it is glorious. And, and you see God's glory in that. You see his provision. You see him, you know, him uh, providing in ways that you wouldn't have understood otherwise. Yeah. So as we kind of journey into that, that's part of the wonder, you know, of this whole invitation from God yeah. to just come and know me and watch me work and all this. You know, I think that's important too. A lot of churches, I think they'll see sort of what Show Hope is doing now all these years later. And they think, well, you know, if we start getting involved, we might make some mistakes and do some stupid things. Mm. And I think you would probably agree with me. I encourage churches all the time. Yeah, this isn't this isn't good. It doesn't yeah. have to be perfect when that's you right. start out. You're going right. to make some mistakes and say, well, that's not the way to go. Let's redirect and do it. Yeah. Have you all learned that over the years that say, well, sometimes you try to go one way, but you say, no, we actually see God's leading us this way. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the missteps sometimes are, are <laughs> as important as, yeah. you know, because I love the, we, we are built on the foundation, our family, our life, my music and ministry, our marriage, certainly show hope on we make our plans God directs our steps, right. you know, right. and the scripture, you know, because that's so true. I mean, sometimes we make our plans and if we listen real closely, we hear God chuckling like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I've got a whole different, but <laughs> we still that. make our plans <laughs> right. and we start moving. And I love that verse. It says, you know, when you turn to the left or the right, you're going to hear a voice saying, this is the way walk in it. Right. What I've right. kind of learned from that is we've been on this journey is there's implied movement, even in that verse. Often I want to sit still and go, okay, God, do I go left or right? What do I do? Yeah. And, and, but that verse implies that when you turn to the left or right, That's then good. you're going to hear the verse. That's you're good. moving, and it's like you go left, and then as you go, okay, now let's go right. Let's mm-hmm. go. And that's part of the journey of God directing our steps, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know. and obviously, God, I call that the swirling vortex of Chapman. It's like, well, how did I get here? This is really, it's like our family. It's like the swirling vortex that never ends. And, and God does direct it. And, and even in, in as hard as it is to, to sit here and say, many of you know, um, in 2008, when our sweet Maria went to be with Jesus, obviously, you talk about mad, angry, shaking my fist, mad at God going, okay, there was a plan all along for our family to step into this realm of adoption. And, you know, my own struggle of, and we feel, I feel like I was obedient and I heard you whispering about this thing called that would eventually become show hope and, and, and helping kids and I'm doing the right thing. And I thought as long as I was doing the right thing, nothing bad would come and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And in the midst of even losing Maria, as hard it is, as it is, and when I get to go to China and look into the faces of the, of the children, we get to help. And there's still those times when I go, I, 
I just give it all back to just have Maria. I thought I heard, I thought I heard you say, you know, bring her home and, you know, let her be your daughter, which we did hear that, right? And sometimes when the plans don't go the way you really thought they were going to go and you feel like you didn't hear God, it's almost 11 years and I can sit here and say, I know we heard God and and it's still really, really hard, but we're still going to continue to take steps and just honor the past and honor the hard. Um, it's still one of those things, though, that even as, um, as like, your church, the churches may say, well, we want to do this, but what if we go the wrong direction? And God uses all of that. And you won't see until eternity. I'm yeah, desperately yeah. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it comes quickly because I want to see that part of it. It's like, why? Like, yeah. why did that have to be part of it? And then just trusting in the process that, you know, God's going to carry us through. Were there things... When you all went through that dark time, you lost your, your daughter. Were there things that the church did, that people did, that you would say, these were evidences of, of God's grace? That, so sometimes you have people who say, how do I minister to people when they're going through dark times? Or there, is there a word of, of so these, are, yeah. these are some things that, sometimes I think it's those little things that people don't do because they don't think they're enough. I mean, quite frankly, I don't remember about two or three years <laughs> yeah. of my life. Yeah. So I know, though, that in looking back and seeing the notes and hearing stories now that so many people showed up in ways that, you know, we would have not survived had it not been for our local body of believers, the people that were the closest to us, and, and, and honestly, the people that would just sit there yeah. and not have a single thing right. to say because they didn't know what to yeah. say, but they just were there. And um, I think that's... Yeah. That was what was important. But even in our dark place, God had already had already paved the way. Um, Stephen's lifelong road manager, David Trask, who traveled yeah. with Stephen at that point 20 years or so, um, when he was 17 years old, the same situation yeah. happened with him. And he was the first one up our driveway to hold my son. Oh. And so God had already, yeah. God already knew. Yeah. God already had people in place. Now, I would love to push rewind and not have any of that happen. Yeah. I would love for the story to not be that. But I cannot sit here and not say that God held us every step of the way. Yeah. God has held and continues to hold our son. I wish he could be here. He is a warrior. And God yeah. has redeemed and brought the most beautiful, I call her an angel because she might be, I don't know, that has married her son. They have a beautiful little girl. And, and God just, you know... Will Franklin's been able to share his story yeah. with people that may never, ever have gotten to hear the beautiful love of, of Jesus. Yeah. So. I think that, that you said, you know, you, you were just said it, and people that have been and continue to be. And I think that, you know, the first thought when you asked that question, and, and you even said, and this is our, it's a, it, it is a natural, you know, you, you talk about when you went through mm-hmm. that dark time. Um, relationship and, you know, the, the journeying on this journey together, doing what we're even doing here, gathering, and this is why we're so grateful to you and the work that you're doing to, to put arms, lock arms, and put arms around each other and say, let's come together as a community. Let's remember that we're in this journey together, that we are on this adventure together and we need each other. Because we would say, probably the first thing we learned is how pretty much everything you say, the most comforting things people said to us, uh, especially in the earliest 
days and weeks and months where there are no words. I'm not going to stick a Bible verse yeah. Band-Aid on this huge wound of your soul that's not going to be whole until heaven. I'm just going to sit with you. I'm going to walk with you. We were miserable people. It still maybe are more than we even know, but we talk about we were so hard probably to even be with for a, a, a season of time for sure. And yet people who just said, I'm not going to go anywhere and we're going to walk with you when you want to, when you need to kick and scream, uh, when you don't know what to say, when you've cried every tear that you've got and, and just to, to journey together, yeah. that is the thing. Yeah. Uh, so important. You know, we get often called when there is a tragedy that similar to ours and it's one of the griefs that we carry with us. It's yeah. one of the weights that often people will reach out and will say, you know, it, it's as if we would have the, right. the answers that someone right. else might not because we walk through. And the only answer we can ever really even give people as they're walking through it is just lean into the people that are going to, that, that you've journeyed with for years, the friends, the people that God's put in your community, because you're going to need them more than you can even imagine. Mm. So just continuing to show up, even almost 11 years later now, still we need those people desperately. And as with so many other things, sounds like the people who feel the most ill-equipped are actually the ones God God is using. Mm -hmm. Now, in the years since, you all, not just show hope, but also uh, Maria's Big House of Hope. Hope. Tell us what that that is. Um, So Maria's Big House of Hope is our kind of our flagship care center in China. We have five care centers in China. And Maria's, I wish I had a picture to show you, but Maria's is a freestanding building. And y'all, it's so awesome because they accidentally painted it bright blue with white clouds all over it. You ask me, how would someone accidentally do that? And we really don't know. Something got lost in translation. Apparently it was supposed we don't to speak be, Mandarin. Yeah, <laughs> it was supposed to be this like little flat, like this little square of blue with white clouds. It's kind of like a Nike symbol comes at the time we were working with the Chinese government with this blue sky program and somebody, I guess, misread it. And so the whole building, seven stories in the middle of gray, dark China, it looks like toy story. It looks like a playground, you know, when you drive I, up. I like promise you, I promise you, our Maria had something to do with it. Oh, so cross that light out and they'll paint the whole building out. Um, and it's got her little flower. Maria left us a flower the day that she passed away. And so my brother went over there on bamboo scaffolding, painted flowers all over mm. it. But it has cared for um, over 2,500 Chinese orphans that otherwise they've been brought many there because survive. they have many, many would not have survived. We can't track them all into homes because we really have to have people find us, you know, say, hey, I think our child might have been cared for at Marie's Big House. But we know of almost 800 of them mm. that have moved on into adoption. And these are these are lives that would not have been, you know, lived. Mm-hmm. And so we're really grateful we have the opportunity to uh, serve the the Chinese people. We employ over 400 Chinese IEs, which are nannies. Um, and, you know, in China, we're not allowed to tell people about Jesus, but we can certainly show them mm-hmm. by the way that we love. And so there's much more than caring for orphans there. And so yeah. we have that, plus we have the 
four other care centers that are actually operating inside the Social Welfare Institute. So we really have, we operate legally in China, which um, a lot of organizations can't say that. We have a partner, New Hope um, Foundation, that we work with, and they're recognized in the country of China. So we get to do everything we do, they, you know, kind of out in the open, and they, they know who we are. As long yeah. as this guy can sing some John Denver and the Carpenters, yeah. we're all yeah. good. Yeah. They yeah. like Turns like, out they love John Denver. Johnny Cash, Cash. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. That's right. <laughs> and so, but we have been so privileged to get to care for those kids. And earlier when I was talking about our adoption aid, some I think some people, the misconception with Show Hope is that we only help people adopt from China. We're not an adoption agency. We, we just help facilitate grants. And so uh, earlier I um, had alluded that if we had helped 100 children come home through adoption and grants, we would have considered ourselves successful. But God has so much of a bigger plan. And today it's been over 6,200 families mm-hmm. that have been helped. And those children represent mm-hmm. from 60 countries. So yeah, all over the world. And, and I think there's some communication that goes on around orphans, you know, and, and we believe that children definitely belong with their birth family. Obviously, children belong with their birth family. And if that can't happen, going to next to kin and all of these things. Yeah. But if they are going to be a true orphan, double orphan, whatever the, the official title of that, that's some 15 million kids worldwide. Yeah. If they're not going to be able to move, be moved into their family or their country of origin through adoption, we certainly want to help facilitate getting as many of those children and families and, mm-hmm. and have the opportunity to know the love of Jesus. That's what Ultimately, we would. Yes. Right, so that's, I can't help but think that right now, all of the thousands of people who are streaming this right now, and they all have all different sorts of things going on. Some of them may have people in there saying, God's calling us to something. Right. We don't know what. Some of our churches are saying we really kind of want to get involved in what God is doing through through Show Hope and through Maria's Big House. And so, how how could people do that? What what recommendation would you give to them? Um, well, obviously our well, website. Yeah, would our be website the best is place. showhope.org. Um, we also do trips. Like if you if we you can go on a mission trip with us to see the work of at Maria's Big House. You can get involved through student initiatives. We do a thing called the Pause Campaign, which is kind of laying down social media in order to do um, devotion to really understand what God's calling us through the heartbeat of of orphans is. Um, There's a way to get involved with that if you're a college group or a youth group or a church that wants to do that. All the information's on the website. All the information about the pre- and post-adoption support, the conferences that we offer, the training, the scholarships, that's all on there. If God's calling you to maybe step towards adoption and you're going to begin praying about it um all those resources are on there we also have howtoadopt.org which is a kind of just a resource page that you know tells people i think we might be called to do this like what's our next step Mm -hmm. there's a we have a pretty full web page that can kind of get you to that and that's good because people can sort of check that out when they're early in the process Mm -hmm. they don't really want to Commit yep. right. yeah. Yeah. to something, but they can yep. check that out. And that's what we always tell people. It's like, that's what we did. It's like, okay, yeah. we're going to take a step, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to yeah. take a step, and we're going to pray, and yeah, and then see where God leads you. Yeah. It's what a, would you say to somebody who's in the process uh, right now? They're, they've adopted, or they're foster, they're doing ministry, and they're exhausted. Would you have a, a final word of encouragement gosh. to them? When I love that the... you said that, because it was just as we were getting ready to walk out here. It's so interesting, because I, I, was, I was talking to someone who is just fresh in the adoption process, but, they, but they're two years in, but they're, they're, they're just about to get their child 
um, home, and they're so excited. And I said, man, it's so good to just talk with you. It's so good to be here, to be a part of this conference for us, because we've been on this journey. Now, you know, Shoei is 19. It was 2000 when we brought her home, so we're coming up on 19 years ago in March when we first met Shohanna, our daughter. And so we've been on this journey for a while, and there's that amazing verse that, you know, encourages us to not grow weary in well-doing, you know, and doing the things that God's called us to. And, you know, how do we do that? We do that, again, through relationship, through this, through looking around and going, yes, we're not alone, and certainly looking at God's word and, and his, his promises, and knowing that the story is not over. We are part of a, a story, an epic story that God's telling, and that's the part for families that are struggling with kids and that they brought home and thinking, I don't know if we're going to survive yeah. these children or if they're going to survive us for, for people that are three, four, five years sometimes into the ado- adoption process. Our encouragement would just be, because it's our own experience, is just believing that God is telling an amazing story and trusting him. The story is far from over, even if it looks like this is disaster or this is never going to, you know, we're never going to survive this. Believe in knowing his promises are true, that he is going to finish what he started, that he does know the plans mm-hmm. that he has for us and they're to give us a hope and a future. He's accomplishing that, you know, right at this moment, no matter what the circumstances might feel like, just encourage each other with that. Yeah, I think so many, I think, we, you know, we live in a, in a culture where, you know, we're all looking at our Instagram, we're all looking at Facebook, and everybody posts the pictures of everything that goes well. Yeah. Like, if we took 24 hours and posted the pictures of everything that was going wrong, right. we may not have a social media addiction. Right. <laughs> so right. we're like, I don't want to do that. Right. But we all have that fear of missing out. Last night, I was laying in the hotel bed trying to fix my voice, and I'm like, I want to be over there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fear of missing out, see the picture. And... Um, <laughs> But I think we have to remember that we live in a culture where we want everything to go well. It's like the, you know, the best cup of coffee or, you know, yeah. the best artwork my child's done. And, and you know, I, sometimes I look at the pictures and go, I wonder what that really, <laughs> what the mess was that really, you know, got them to that place. We need to be honest. We need to talk, really tell honest stories and, and tell people how hard it is and go, this isn't like I'm making it look for the world to mm-hmm. see. And it's really hard and it's really difficult not to be embarrassed that that there is problems with, you know, you need help, you need counseling, you need these things. Um, I, I only kind of know how to be honest. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. But when you ask that advice, you know, the first thing I thought, um, what would you say to people? Mm-hmm. The first thing I thought was, his dad used to say it all the time. It's a, it's a Paducah phrase. Grab a root and growl. That's what I wanted to tell you. I was like, that's what people have to do. Yeah, it's just like they have, it is it. it sums up. It's like you have to just, just, you have to just, if this is what God's called you to, it might not be what we can make it look very easily yeah. in pictures. It's really hard. It's been a hard journey for us, not just losing our daughter, but you know, the issues and the things that come up. And we have to be able to talk honestly about them. And then at the end of the day, we also have to go, eternity's coming, and this is what God's given yeah. us, and yeah. we're going to do this. Like, we're... <laughs> I'm going to strangle you, but we're going to get there. <laughs> you know, like we're going to do, we're going to finish the yeah. race, you yeah. know, and, and it's going to be hard. And yeah. to talk honestly about that, I think we need to. Yeah. Well, one of the things you taught me from a million miles away when I was a 15-year-old kid listening to one of your albums, Wait on the Lord, yeah. and, and the faithfulness yeah. of, of God. So I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for the ministry just in my life and my wife's life 
that, that both of you have been from afar and it's such a joy to have you here with us uh, today. Can we thank, thank Stephen Curtis? Thanks for listening to the ERLC podcast. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to share it with others. And don't forget to join us next week as we listen to a talk on the future of Christian ministry.